Well, guys, it's my privilege to announce uh, to you our speaker this morning is one of our leaders here at Reload at one of our tables. And uh, it's somebody that was born a king. Um, last week, I played the video, That's My King. Well, he's not my king, but he's the son of a king, the Lord, the King of Kings, the Most High. But uh, Mike is just uh, an encouraging brother. Um, God is using him in some amazing ways uh, just to really impact this world for the kingdom of God. But would you give a warm reload welcome to our brother, Mike King. Give him heaven, my friend. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Appreciate it. Um, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I was just reflecting uh, with Pastor Bernie. I started coming here when I was 15. Man, that seems... Uh, in years, that's a lot. Uh, I'm 38, but it seems like just yesterday. And uh, I stand up here before you, um, just grateful for this church, grateful for all the relationships that I've built over the years. Because um, I wouldn't be the person I am today without people planting all those seeds in me along the way. Um, and I'm not really going to share too much of my testimony. Uh, today, like I shared before, um, but what I want to do is uh, we're going to watch a little video here a second, and then uh, we're going to uh, share some scripture, and then I want to share kind of what um, God has been doing in my life over the last uh, eight months or so, and uh, what that means for us today. So if you could play that first video, please. Right now. Just say it. Cry out.
man, I love that uh, scene from Braveheart. There's just something about it that uh, makes the lion inside of me just want to come out. Um, so I'm going to be that guy, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand up this morning. And we're going to participate in a little exercise here. So now you may hear a voice that's going to tell you that this is stupid. You may have a feeling of like, oh, this could be embarrassing. Um, but we're going to go back to when we were young boys playing in the woods, running in our yards, whatever that looked like. And uh, on the count of three, we're going to scream freedom. Now, I don't want you to hold back. Give it all you got. And Jason, mute my mic because I'm going to scream too. <laughs> all right, you ready? One, two, three. Yeah, you feel how, how good that feels, right? Okay, going to have a seat. So that was just a little exercise to get us all woke up this morning since we had such a good breakfast. Um, so the name of my talk or what God placed on my heart uh, is where are all the real men at? And this was something that God asked me uh, one time in my, my quiet time when I was reflecting on some things uh, that he had brought me through. And I think that question has never been more relevant in society and in culture than, in, than today. With everything that's going on in our world, um, all the attacks, uh, the attacks against identity, the attacks against gender, uh, all the craziness with the shootings and, and everything that's going out in the world, um, I believe is a direct reflection of men not accepting the higher calling that we've been given in this life, the higher calling as husbands, the higher calling as fathers, the higher calling as leaders in our community. And we have not done a good job of stewarding that appropriately for a multitude of reasons. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here because uh, you guys are, are getting up early, taking the time to come here to worship the Lord um, and to draw close to him. Uh, but it's a rhetorical question for you today is where are all the real men at? And what responsibility do you have in your life as you go about every day interacting with the men that you come across? Uh, in, in what does that look like with you? What, what, what is God calling you to do? So I want to take a look at something quick here. Uh, the book of Jonah is a story that I can relate to lately. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase here, but if you don't know that story, so the prophet Jonah is told by God to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach repentance to them. And he doesn't want to do it for whatever, for whatever reason. So he actually tries to run away. He gets on a ship uh, that's going in a completely different direction. And immediately this supernatural storm comes upon the waters uh, and these professional sailors are scared and they know that this isn't natural, right? That something's not right. 
So they start asking questions and they figure out that there's someone on the boat who has done something to offend God. Uh, and they figure out that that's Jonah and they confront Jonah. And he says, yeah, it's me. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. But you can solve this right now by casting me over the ship right now into the water. It'll probably kill me, but you'll be, your problems will be solved. So uh, the sailors, they pray to God and ask God's forgiveness because they know they're about to throw him over and he could die. Uh, and they chuck him over. And immediately Jonah is swallowed by a large fish and he spends uh, three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. And while he's in there, he comes to his senses and he repents um, and tells God if God will save him that he will go and he will do what God has asked him to do and that's go to the city of Nineveh uh, to, repeat, to preach repentance to them. So the story goes that uh, the fish pukes him up on shore and uh, he goes to the city and I want to read this out of Jonah 3. Uh, he makes his way to the city, and it says, This message from the Lord came from Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it to the message, or pro proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah, go up and went to Nineveh to do what the Lord has ordered. Now Nineveh was a very large city requiring a three-day journey to cross it. As Jonah started into the city on the first day's journey, he proclaimed the message, Forty days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed him. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least important. When the message reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, removed his royal garments, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in ashes. Then he had this proclamation published throughout Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, no man or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything, graze or drink water. Instead, let both man and animal clothe themselves with sackcloth and cry out to God forcefully. Let every person turn from his evil ways and from his tendency to do violence. Who knows but that God may relent, have compassion, and turn from his fierce anger so that we are not exterminated. God took note of what they did, that they turned from their evil ways because God relented concerning the trouble about which he had warned them. He did not carry it out. So to me, that story is about two things. One, it's about obedience. Obedience to what God was calling Jonah to do. And was he going to listen and was he going to do that? And two, that story was about trust. Did Jonah want to trust that God's ways were better than his ways? That God might have known something that he didn't? Now, that's kind of been my life for probably the last three years and eight months. Um, Three years ago or so, God gave me this idea, um, and he was very specific uh, in telling me what he wanted me to do, and uh, I didn't want to do it. Um, winners for me are, 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 are slow in, in what I do. 
uh, so I have a lot of time. And uh, instead of working on this thing that God was telling me to do, I would go play basketball, I'd go have lunch with people. I would just do whatever I could not to go near this thing uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I was fearful. I was fearful of I didn't want to do something that would lead me to embarrass God. Um, it's maybe as strange as that may sound, as funny as that may sound, I didn't. So I didn't want to put myself um, in this place. And two, uh, I didn't want it to, I didn't ever want to get to a point where I wasn't walking in humility. And I thought that if I pursued this, even though God was telling me to do it, that I would get a big head. Uh, so I didn't for three years. And then something happened. Uh, well, actually, two things happened. One, I had this dream. Um, and in this dream, I was working out very profusely. Uh, and it was a very hard workout. And I'm done. And I get off of the, where I'm working out. And I walk over. And I sit down on this bench. And I start to take off my shoes. And next to me, there are these stationary bikes. And this lady is riding the stationary bike. And she goes, wow, that must have been really hard. And I go, yeah, I like working out hard, you know, like I, that's how I prefer to do it. Um, I want the trainer, you know, to just pretty much crush me. And uh, she goes, no, I don't mean that. She goes, I mean the brother or the letter your brother wrote you. And immediately I woke up from this dream and I was just sobbing uncontrollably and I couldn't stop. Um, and I was away uh, serving on an event. I got up uh, from the bunkhouse, walked out side and laid in this hammock somebody had set up and I was asking God, I'm like, God, what is this all about? Like, why, why is this doing to me? And the letter the lady was referring to in the dream was when my brother committed suicide when I was a sophomore in college, he wrote a letter and left it on his computer. And uh, the night, uh, that night, uh, when we were all back at the house, we were going through his room trying to just make sense of it, you know, like, why would he do something like this? Did he leave any hints? Like, uh, and I put my hands, like, on his desk like that, and I bumped the mouse, and the screen came up, uh, and his letter popped up, and I read it. Uh, and I had held it together up until that point, but when I read this letter, it crushed me. Um, and I went back into the living room, and I just fell on the floor and started crying, and my mom was there, and my sister and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I just, all I could do is point towards his room. And they went in there um, and they read the letter and they knew what was up. So I'm sitting in that hammock and I'm asking God, what is going on? Uh, speak to me. Why, why is this such a big deal? And he's like, you have unforgiveness. And I'm like, unforgiveness? I, I don't have unforgiveness towards anybody. And he said, yes, you do. You have unforgiveness towards yourself. Uh, and I had to deal with that. Um, and that prompted me to come home and to make this video and to post it online. And uh, a lot of people saw it, and um, some people reached out to me who were struggling. Uh, and, and where I'm going with this is that was started the beginning of what God was calling me to do. Uh, and then shortly after that, two celebrities committed suicide, uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Um, and I remember when that happened, um, and I was just having this conversation with God in my head. I'm like, this is crazy. All these people are committing suicide. And when I had made that video, I had joined all these suicide groups on Facebook because I wanted to share this video with them to kind of give people hope um, and just kind of talk about how 
the people that are left after somebody commits suicide, what they have to go through and what they have to deal with. Uh, and it's crazy. And I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this. I had never been exposed to this, but there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of people coming to these pages and these groups every day talking about how they want to kill themselves. I mean, it's, you can't even imagine. Um, and I was having this conversation with God about how crazy it was. Um, and he said to me very clearly, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know, Lord. And he's like, you remember that idea I gave you three years ago? He's like, you might want to think about that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. So I took that uh, winter, instead of playing basketball and going out and doing all these other things, I, I started to hammer down on this idea that he gave me. And the idea that he gave me was to create a page on Facebook uh, and to post something on that page every single day for 2019. And he gave me various topics uh, for every day of the week. Um, and I built out all this content. And then when January 1st came along, uh, I started to do that. So here I am trying to walk in this obedience and go back to this thing that God had told me to do that I ran away from uh, for so long. And probably about I don't know, 30 days or so into it, uh, I had a, a gentleman, I was, people were reaching out to me behind the scenes, and I had uh, a gentleman from India reach out to me um, on Messenger, and he asked if I would be willing to share my testimony with a group of people in India. And I was like, okay, um, yeah, sure, no problem. It'd be my pleasure. Uh, and so, we did that. Uh, their time difference uh, is like 13 hours or something. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, one Friday night, uh, I got on a Zoom call and uh, shared my testimony with uh, a small group of people um, in India. And from that, uh, God took a hold of that obedience, right? And he started to grow it, and he started to stretch it. Um, to where now we have started uh, this ministry, Love of God Ministries, uh, with this person um, there. And uh, we have various uh, groups all around the country because the news doesn't talk about this stuff, but God, the, the Holy Spirit is moving across the world like it's never moved before. And people are coming to God like they've never come to before. And I had heard about this a little bit before and seen some things, but to experience this firsthand like I have been these last eight months or so has been incredible. People are thirsty for truth. And more importantly, they're thirsty for God's truth. And they know it when they hear it. So uh, what I want to do in these closing minutes is I just want to share some slides with you uh, to kind of show you uh, what's been going on and how God is... Uh, taking this thing. Um, so if we pull up the, so this is Kumar, so, and his wife, Angel. Um, and Kumar's, he's 23, right? And this was the guy who reached out to me uh, on Facebook. Uh, and I asked him after the meeting the very first time, I said, hey, I'm just curious, like, what prompted you to reach out to me? Uh, and he said, hey, I was praying one night, um, and, uh, 
God spoke to me and he said, I want you to find Mike King. And he said, I don't know Mike King. And he said, go on Facebook. And so he went and got his phone and he went on Facebook. And he punched in Mike King. And obviously I'm not the only Mike King in the world. So a long list of Mike Kings came up and he was like, well, God, which one is it? And God is like, start scrolling and I'll show you. And he scrolled through and God highlighted him to me. Uh, and he clicked on my name and came to my page and he's seen some of the, the videos that I had been putting on my page. Um, and then that's when he, it was confirmed and he reached out to me uh, and asked me to share my testimony. Now, he's got an incredible story himself. Uh, he speaks English pretty good, but um, he's never been schooled. And I asked him, I'm like, so how do you know English like that? Uh, and he's like, God taught me. Right? And I just find, I mean, that was just incredible to me, right? He's like, I'm not, I've never been to school in my life. He's like, I just be, believed in Jesus Christ. And uh, I said, okay, God. And God started teaching him English. Uh, so if we go to the next slide. So um, these next slides are a couple groups of people uh, that we've had the opportunity to speak to. So Kumar he is on fire for God. He will literally do anything God tells him to do. He walks sometimes 60, 70 miles to go to villages to preach to people because that's what God has called him to do. Uh, and so we've kind of been working back and forth uh, with some support um, that I've been giving him to do some things. Uh, and then just uh, he has me preach every now and then couple times a month to different people. So this is one group of people that I preached to um, in a village and just shared my story. This is a widow's ministry that we're doing together um, with these group of, of widows, um, and they're going out and they're preaching to the women uh, in the community, uh, in the village, uh, with his wife, Angel. And if we go to the next slide, uh, so there's a, a picture of us um, feeding them, you know, because these people, these women, they have nothing. Uh, you know, they, they don't, a lot of them don't work. Uh, a lot of them have no way of, of making uh, money. So it's incredible the amount of faith that these people have. Over here in America where we have cl all the clothes and cars and stuff, if I asked you what Kumar's, uh, what would be at the top of his bucket list, I bet no one could guess what it is. What? No, but you're close. He wants to drive a car one day, right? Uh, and over here we have all these things, and over there they have nothing, and he just believes in God, that God will, will give him whatever they need. I mean, that's how big his faith is. So if we go to the next slide. So uh, we've got about uh, four different groups of pastors uh, across India, uh, that uh, Kumar is working with um, in, in training and teaching them. Um, and then they're going out to their local villages uh, and sharing the love of God uh, with people. So this is one of the groups. I think there's only a couple more slides. Uh, this is another group of pastors. This is from uh, one of the Zoom calls uh, that I was on, just sharing my testimony with them and some teaching. Uh, another slide. All right, that's another group of pastors. Uh, next slide, please. 
All right, and then Kumar, uh, this summer, he was like, hey, let's put on uh, a kid's Bible camp. And I was like, hey, that's a great idea. What do you need? So he let me know uh, what he needed to be able to do that. So we were able to put on a Bible camp, if you go to the next slide. Uh, So we had a a ton of kids come there. They're hungry to hear the word of God, to get to know uh, Jesus, uh, and to have a personal relationship with him. And then uh, I just want to play this video for you, and then I'll wrap things up here. So that was a quick video of uh, Kumar having them sing a song. Um, you know, he's extremely faithful. Uh, I mean, he sends, I, every day he's sending me pictures of, of what he's doing um, and how he's using uh, the support uh, that I've been able to, to help him with um, and just sow those seeds. So I share all this uh, with you to bring it back to the very first thing, and that is, where are all the real men at? And I would pose to you that there are a lot of definitions or a lot of characteristics that go into being a real man. But if I could distill it down to one, uh, it would be this. Real men are obedient to what God is calling them to, no matter what that looks like, no matter how scary, no matter how big, uh, it may be. Um, and it's a lesson that I've had to learn. Um, but as you can see from what God has been able to do, he took that one small little seed of obedience that I was willing to walk into. Uh, and because of that, thousands of lives have been affected in some way or another. And that's not me bragging on myself. That's me bragging on God right. and what he's done. So uh, as we close here, the last thing that I would say to you is every day God is asking you in a new way, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? And what does that look like? I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what God has asked you to do. I don't know what dreams God has placed uh, perhaps in your heart. Uh, or ideas that he's given to you that you've ran away from, that you've been scared to to walk out, scared to live. But I just want to encourage you, brothers, the world needs us as men to be obedient to that calling, to step out and to answer the higher calling that we have on our lives as fathers, as husbands, as members of our community. Thank you. (laughs) thanks mike great word Uh, now mike have you ever been to india yourself physically uh no i haven't Uh, you're so funny pastor tom seriously (laughs) or god's funny you know i wasn't even supposed to 
I wasn't even supposed to speak, um, well, I thought I wasn't supposed to speak today. And uh, God had been kind of working on me to share this uh, with you guys, uh, to encourage you. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Okay, God, you're going to have to confirm this. And Pastor Tom reached out to me like he always does, and he's like, hey, did, uh, does God have something on your heart that he wants you to share with us? And I was like, yeah, he does. So when you say that, have I been to India? No, I haven't. Um, Kumar and, and what he does is uh, he's been telling me that God is telling him that God's going to bring me to India in November. So uh, I'm just trying to be faithful to that and uh, just believe that God will make that happen if that's what he wants. Mm -hmm. So I asked you that question because... Um, you know, often people talk about the digital world and what it is. It's like an enemy to us in culture today. But God can take anything. He'll use anything. And he'll turn it around and use it for his glory. But it's an opportunity that, that Mike uh, was led to. He saw and he seized the moment to be able to reach out and to make an impact for the kingdom all the way and he's never been there physically to this point. Mm -hmm. And so God's got a plan for the future. But for each and every one of us, God's got a unique plan. Jesus said that before he left this, this earth, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And sometimes, you know, we really limit that word preach. And we think it's only a three-point sermon. And it, it's that, but it's so much more. If you break that word down, it says to give voice to or to demonstrate. You know, it's often said that people are more moved by our actions than our words. It's about the gospel, the truth, you know, presenting the truth, exposing the truth, exposing a lie, embracing the truth. But it's also about putting it into action by what we do. And each and every one of us as men, as brothers, we have the opportunity to really live out the gospel, don't we? by loving people, by encouraging people, by sharing the truth with them in love and uh, just helping them. So, guys, let's stand together as we close this morning. Know this, that Jesus said that we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's not let anyone hide that light. Let's not let anything hide that light that God has placed on the inside of us, that love, that compassion, the truth. Let's just... Give our world the truth in Jesus' name.